you, you know how like they, they refer to a Hilbert space uh, or a Hilbert curve as a space filling curve. Um, I, I like to refer to Bryce as a as a an authority filling <laughs> curve. Like he just would, if there's a way to be in charge, Bryce will find it in approximately 3.8 seconds, and, and, and then Bryce will lord it over you. And so the the solution to this would just be like, Bryce, shut up! Like just, like, I knew you when you were nobody. I'm not going to take this oh from you. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 120, recorded on February 16th, 2023. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host, Bryce, we continue part four of this five-part conversation with Zach Lane. Today, we talk about safety in C++, tuples, variants, reductions, and more. The most recent episode of Oxide and Friends, which is a podcast that I've been lamenting about, or it was about the, they brought on the consumer, I hope I get her name yet, right, uh, Yale Grauer. Um, she goes by at Yale Rights, which is Y A E L on Twitter. And the name they, is Yael. 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 Um, yeah. And so they brought her on to talk about this Rust, you know, safety, memory safety, and programming languages. And one of the things that they actually brought up is that um, some analysis that I can't remember if it was what Google did with their Android code or some other company with some, they did some analysis of like where the most buggy code is. And it actually wasn't old, already existing code. It was new code that was being written. Hmm. And so that like, sure, there's already millions and billions of lines of C++, but like, it actually kind of made sense when you think about it, like the code that's been sitting there for 20 years and kind of just working, like maybe there's a couple bugs in it, but like that they code probably, yeah, yeah, they probably ironed out most of those bugs. It's the new code that new programmers are writing. And like, that's the buggiest stuff. So like, if we did add that stuff, I think that like a majority of like a, a huge portion, at least of bugs that are being written in C++ could be fixed by like, new features like this kind of stuff that you're yeah. proposing, Zach. Um, yeah. I, I, I think so. I, well, I, I by think the way, I'm not proposing anything along those lines. I'm, I'm not going to get involved with the standardizing <laughs> language changes. That is like not my area. I'm not signing up. Showing up on your pirate ship with a rust flag at the top <laughs> of the C++ <laughs> <Yeah>. committee. <laughs> but, but Connor, I, I think that the, the issue is that almost every piece of new software that gets written these days uses old software and builds on top of existing things and so uh, the the there, it may not be that there's a bug in the old code it may be a bug in how you're using the old code or it may be that you're using it um in a way where um uh you know th- there's this there's this known sharp edge to it but you haven't handled that in your usage of it um or you've hit yeah, a mean, corner case that nobody else has hit and bef- hit before and that's really where the most C++ code is written with preconditions, right? That are sometimes yeah. stated and sometimes implicit. And if you violate them, everything crashes, right? Yeah, and womp so womp. what's that? Womp womp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you're on your own, buddy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so you have like all this existing code, which might be better than new code in the sense that people have worked things out, but it also is probably written with an eye towards uh, performance first over safety. And so there's preconditions that if you don't meet, you get a crash. Whereas... Like, you know, the Rust model is more like, you know, there's a well-defined thing that happens and, and it's not a crash. Uh, even if you get, um, in some sense, arbitrary results, it's memory safe, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, your code is not correct because it's safe, but it's not going to, you know, bring down the the airline or something, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. I think the problem is that uh, there's there's no appetite 
on in the C++ community for the, the cost that, um, that we'd have to pay for, um, for, for instead of just adding library UB whenever we have, you know, some, some failure case and something that needs to be fast that we don't want to, you know, properly deal with. Um, the alternative would be to provide a deterministic, um, error path and, and that oftentimes has a cost or it takes away implementation freedom and we just don't want to do that. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I think that there's also a lot of people that I've heard say they embrace this idea as long as it's a mode, right? So in other words, just like Rust has this get out of free, uh, get out of jail free card where you could just say unsafe and then you can go down to the bit twiddling that you need to do in some cases. And then everything's built on top of, you know, that becomes the old legacy code that's been hardened because everyone's been depending on it, using it so hard for such a long time. You figured out all those all those errors that might be in there. And then the new stuff that you write on top is like very, very carefully yeah. vetted by the borrow checking. kind of. It does things. make me think um, if we wanted to introduce a mode, um, a deterministic error mode for the standard library where all the error cases would um, – uh, would, would give you some, you know, exception or global board or something if, if a precondition is violated, um, how much library UB would we be able to get rid of? Now, the, you might think we'd get rid of all of it, but there are certainly some cases where there's a precondition that's very difficult to check um, uh, or impossible yeah. to check. Or sometimes impossible, um, yeah. Some, some of those checks are literally yeah. undecidable. Um, but... I wonder. I wonder how much utility we would have from checking the things that we from having a mode that checks the things that we can. I think a lot. So I think the way the way that you get value here is you'd have to have a safe mode, and then you'd have to have some minimal subset of C libraries uh, of the C library um, that is um, safe mode yeah. friendly, right? So I think. You know, I, I've I've been telling anyone who will listen. I think really we should have about four containers, and everything else should be an adapter. So I think we should have like a, we should have like a, a map kind of thing, actually. But the map should be like a hash yeah. map, like a high quality open addressing hash map. And then we should have like a vector, and then you know a couple other things, right? Because I, I don't think people really care about linked lists and node based containers very much these days. Um, and so you need like this this foundation of really efficient. Um, by construction, things that are like very contiguous and so on. Um, so if we added like a couple of those basic building blocks um, and then had, you know, you could use things like the the algorithms because um, like presumably the um, memory safe thing would be able to check like in your particular instantiation of this algorithm, when it runs, does it have memory safety problems or not? Um, then, then you'd be able to use stuff catch as catch can, and you'd maybe introduce new algorithms over time that that have slightly different um, requirements and slightly different guarantees. But um, yeah, there has to be library support for it. I think absolutely for things to work. But I, I think we can get there. Um, the difficult part becomes getting the evolution folks, the language side folks, to bite off a very, very large language feature, um, and. That's always an uphill battle, uh, not because they're, you know, grumpy and don't want it, right? It's always because they have to think through everything because once you put it into the standard, it's very hard to change yeah. anything. 
Um, and we're usually stuck with the semantics that we standardize. So they want to make sure they get it right. And that's understandable. So you have things like, you know, like the, the, the version of concepts we got was, I think about two and a half cycles in the making of release cycles, you know, two, three years release cycles. And then, um, you know, coroutines was about the same two or three, um, modules was more than three. So, you know, <clears throat> these big language features that have like a large impact, basically all, all these things that landed in 20 because they were on, on the the um, roadmap for a long time, this would be another one of those. And so you're talking about like, you know, when could, if someone was working on that right now and they're making an implementation that worked in Clang or GCC or something, how long would it take to standardize that? We're talking about like, you know, a decade. That's, that's a, that's a 20, I mean, that's a 32 yeah, or 35. Yeah. And, right? you know, I, I, we, I think we, we joke often on the committee that, you know, I'll, the, the, the library group, you know, moves faster, gets, gets a lot of things done. And, and more importantly, I think we often, the the library uh, pipeline is often um, uh, wa- uninterested in in waiting for uh, the promise of a future language feature because you know oftentimes they don't materialize or they take a long time to materialize and in no way is this because the language evolution group isn't doing as much work it's just because you have to do a lot more work to put it into the language. Um, yeah. And that's actually, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why we do a lot of things in the library that other ling- that, that that maybe would be better done in, in the language. And it's because we can move move faster in the library. Um, yeah. And, and if there's something that you don't like in the library, just yeah. don't use it. Whereas a language semantic, yeah. you're stuck with yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Language tuples. Yeah, we should. Okay, that one, that one, so, we should have done language tuple. We definitely should have done language tuple. <laughs> um, I wish we had language variant language tuple. I just, so I was nice. like, especially after you were talking about Haskell and like, I'm, like that's the, another thing I never talk about is like, it's so hard for me to work in a language without algebraic data types. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's like we have yeah. product types, but then like half the languages stop there. And there are like some types, eh, we'll give you some like unions or something <laughs> like that. But it's like yeah. once you use them, especially when it's designed with really nice pattern matching, it's just, yeah, oh, it's, it's very, it's one of those things. It's very hard to, to not have that in your language, um, which is now so, we're, we're going to have std variant and then we might have L variant and uh, which yeah. is going to be the language. Cause I, I don't know. I saw at some point someone was proposing a, a language I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, there, there have been proposals, but there's none there are, there are none that are in yeah. flight right now. Uh, you know, a yeah. language variant is nice. I care far more about having a language tuple. Um, and, and like, like, I, I'm almost the opposite. Like, I feel like the tuple we have is like close, that, you know, that, to what Stockholm's I would want. Syndrome, but, my friend. <laughs> Stood colon colon get angle zero but, angle well, paren, he, paren. He, Zach that, tried to make like that a discriminated better, union. Uh, I did try to make it better, but people said I know yeah. um, the, the, the language the language tuple um, is 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 like nice. You get better syntax, but it's just sugar um, because the the difference is like with a with a with a language variant. What you can have is like you get a discriminated union, so you get all the safety right. But now the compiler can see the yeah. discriminated union and knows what it means and it can reason about it and you can optimize it out a lot of times, right? And so you can have all this code that boils down to, oh, it's just an int, I see you, right? And it just puts the int all the way through and you can get nice optimizations like that. So it's different in kind than what we can do in the library no matter what I, we I do. I think that's library. fair. I, for me at least though, uh, I use tuple 10 times more more frequently than I would use a variant-like thing. And 
Well, yeah, that that's very much true. But I mean, the thing is, if, if I had variant, that's the other yeah, thing about yeah. it. If I had variant and I didn't have to do all this damn visitation, yeah, then <laughs> I would use it more often. Instead but colon, it's so colon, clunky. Hold, holds alternative. Yeah. It's uh... a <laughs> yeah, it's so clunky that I just don't want to mess yeah. with it. That's exactly yeah. when when Bryce was saying that. I, I was exactly thinking that. I was like, well, is that a, really a function of you not needing? Uh, a some type or is it a function of the fact that the language variant that we have is better than not having anything at all but compared to like you know what rust has or what haskell has it's, it's part uh, of this is from is, is from the is, is my view from the implementer side because at nvidia and our standard library you know we have a tuple and that we there's one poor engineer who probably spent like two years of his life just making that tuple work across you know our <laughs> compiler and a handful of other compilers yeah and the yeah. The degree of complexity in the correct implementation of std tuple um, and the number of warts and caveats that are associated with it um, yeah. make me greatly desirable. Yeah, the fact that you you have to do this bizarre recursive um, inheritance thing, and then you have to you have to make the exact right function call that hits the right one of those inherited uh, data members it's like if you've ever looked inside there you want to just you know take a bath it's so yeah. dirty it, like no part of that is satisfying and so having a language one would be would be better that's for sure but you know i never have to implement it so that's why i was saying what i was saying right, <laughs> right. you just get to use it <laughs> uh but you know plug for uh boost hannah tuple it's it's a way better tuple than tuple yeah. um it's just better in every way and I, I mean i would also like you know um there was a proposal that we talked about briefly at the committee meeting last week about um, making aggregate um, uh, structs work with some of the, the tuple protocols. And I would actually like us to, um, to move more in that direction. Um, you know, if I just make a struct that has, you know, th like three members or whatnot, like I, I want to be able to treat that like a, like a tuple because I would much rather people create a struct that has three members that have names than create a tuple of three things. Um, yeah. And uh, I, 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 I hope with, we are going to be able to end up moving in that direction. And I hope that we'll be able to get better syntax for um, doing tuple indexing um, and for um, uh, also for doing things like indexing into packs. Um, uh, yeah. All of which I think will greatly in, uh, uh, enhance any sort of programming that you have to do with tuples or packs of things, especially when you're you're doing it in a generic context. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, you know there there was this big brouhaha, which I think most listeners won't be aware of, that um, there was a guy trying to standardize uh, this thing called. Um, uh, was it was it, was it oh enumerate right so enumerate like it yields an enumerated view and what it does you give it a range and it produces um, a sequence of, of pairs right and the first element of the pair is the index that you're at and the next is just the value like a reference to that value and it's great like most languages have something like this it's really handy to handy. Python like, has everybody it, yeah. was for it yeah and uh, Haskell has one I forget what spelling is but the Haskell has one and so on so the thing is that um, he tried to do it where he was like, uh, you know, I just for philosophical reasons, I don't like using std pair. I don't like using std tuple. So uh, I want to make it like I want to give it its own type, like, you know, the enumerate uh, enumerated T or whatever. You know, it's got like an int and a, and a, a reference to, to, to T, right? Or whatever the, the, the value type is. Um, and he tried for so long to get that to work that it almost missed 23 
Um, and we add, we added it back into last minute because everyone knew that it was fine. Like the other people had implemented it. it was in ranges V3. Everybody, it was a known quantity when you stood tuple or stood pair, whichever one ended up being. But like he tried so hard to shoehorn this other thing in. And it just made me think like at the time and when you brought this up just now that like if we had a language tuple, no one would care about yeah. these kind of issues, right? Mm -hmm. Like the language tuple and whatever your struct is, they would basically be isomorphic and you'd be able to treat them as kind of yep. the same thing, right? Um, so yeah, I really wish we had that, um, but we, we, we don't. <laughs> Opened up a can of worms as soon as I said language tuple. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're at the yeah. two-hour mark. Bryce, you wanted to talk oh, about your... Something about the problem that we were visiting. Do you oh, still I want to revisit you know, that? Or? It's yet another example of a problem where we really want the the non commutative reduction, the 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 reduction or the, the the parallel reduction or fold that promises it won't reorder the inputs. We've talked about this in past episodes, Connor. That, yeah, that, that episode twenty five. This the property out of scan. That scan says it will not reorder the inputs because it can't. And um, uh, there's no like on on many parallel platforms. Um, uh, there's no reason that you can't give this guarantee. Um, essentially, it's a reduction that's just promising. It's not going to swizzle things around to do SIMD stuff. Um, and uh, uh, that like that, that's per it's perfectly valid and it's very useful. Um, and I very much want it. I mean, solution one, the one that Zach mentioned, uh, was the one you'd want the what do you call it? Associative only yeah. reduce. This problem I think is most performantly solved with a parallelized version of adjacent transform that just, cause, cause the double yeah. fold is kind of scan like, because it's, it requires that non-communitivity. Whereas the, ed, the second type of solution, the slide solution, it's only a stencil. Like it doesn't actually have to care about like the left nature of it. So I'm pretty sure you doing your transform first to turn those three elements into a boolean then sets you up for a fully parallelizable yeah, that, associative that, that, and commutative. That's, that's, that's why I that's why that was my gut reaction was to 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 do that. Yeah, but your your point is valid. So for the first solution, you definitely want that. Yeah, non-associative. Sorry, non-commutative associative yeah. only. I don't I don't know what you call that. Actually, you know the language Futhark, which is like a Haskell inspired. <laughs> no, I don't know the language Futhark. <laughs> <laughs> Futhark, uh, it's just it, making up languages, languages, drugs. You're making up yeah. all kinds of stuff in this podcast. No, no, no. I mean, oh well. So this is. I mean, we, we got to wrap things up. But here, let's see if I've still got it open. Do I have Chat GPT? Uh, now, now I just like I like to have conversations with Chat GPT sometimes. Good. You, that's um, good. I do have it open when I'm lonely. You, you should do that because every time you use Chat GPT, that's using Nvidia GPUs. So just go, go use it all day. They'll have to buy more GPUs. The I have the chat open. I asked it a few questions, but the first one I asked were was uh, what are the top programming languages for writing code that runs on the GPU? And um, it gave me a list of six, which I thought Futhark. I was I was hoping Futhark would show up on, but it was not. Futhark. It's uh, CUDA C plus plus OpenCL Vulkan OpenGL Python and MATLAB. Say what you will about the answers, but uh, Futhark is a, um, Wait, was that six? a language. That's six. Yeah. Um, is a language out of uh, the University of Copenhagen, I want to say. And Trolls Henriksen, who I interviewed, or uh, me and my other panelists on my other podcast interviewed, uh, we interviewed him. Anyways, it has all that. All those details weren't necessary. Maybe I'll cut all that stuff out. <laughs> the point is the language has both a reduce 
and I think a reduced underscore ASOC. Um, if, I might have the spellings of those incorrect, but it basically does actually have um, two different reduces, one that's fully associative and commutative, and the other one that's associative only. Um, hmm. So it's the only programming language that I've come across of that actually has a delineation between um, those two flavors, which makes sense, I guess, when you're on the GPU. That's when you care about that kind of stuff most. But yeah, we, we've been, how long are we going to talk about this algorithm before it shows up in a NVIDIA <laughs> library? <laughs> I don't know. Because right. episode 25, I don't know how many years ago that was. Um, I thought it was funny that you just had episode 25 what? off the top of your head. Another thing you probably made up. No, I know there's certain episodes <laughs> that are my favorites and like the episode 25 is one of them because I have to reference it back to it so often in mm, other right. show notes yeah, yeah. that like I just, it ends we, up being ingrained. We, we um, happen to have this property because the way our reduction implementation and thrust works within a warp it will always do it um it, from left to right and the way that nvidia gpus happen to work the execution of um uh, thread blocks happens to go in order uh, in linear order of the numbering of the thread block so you know, if you have a, uh, you know, a grid of, you know, zero to N, it'll run in thread blocks, what, like zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, yada, yada, um, in order. Now, th th that is not like anytime you talk to um, uh, anybody at NVIDIA who works in hardware, they'll, they'll, they'll point out to you that that is not something that the programming model guarantees um, and you shouldn't rely on it. But it, it's it's been that way for for a long time so <laughs> so it happens to work for so us. i so connor you, you kind of edit these right so I, yeah. I have a request for you could you just take any particularly long sequence of words that that bryce has said just at random and do that that 10x thing I, it's so hilarious when you do that tim i think it's so funny every time he, he, i'm laughing my ass off of my chair Every single time. It's a fantastic. It's great feedback because I actually don't – I'm, I've never gotten feedback on that editing choice. Um, and I've, I think my thought has been I'm sure at some point someone's going to say, why don't you just cut it instead of making him sound like a squirrel because it's irritating uh, to the listener. Um, oh, but I, it just, not this listener. It yeah. makes makes me happy to hear Bryce <laughs> yeah. with his voice like when it he exactly sounds like a excited squirrel. And uh, – <laughs> It's perfect. It sounds like an, speaking of methamphetamine, it sounds like a squirrel on meth. <laughs> this is on, this is like, on me because that's been injected with cocaine and is just losing its mind. This is on me because I don't <laughs> actually amazing. listen to the podcast, so I don't actually know what like <laughs> making fun of me. And I, I like this is the first that I've heard of this. But I literally, I I've gotten to the point where I know you'll be in the midst of a monologue. Like it started way back when, when you would go on and on about your walnut furniture and how you're, you you had a, a woman who knew that she she was your designer and she would always know to get you walnut and blah 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 and, and the credenza and it started off funny but then like we've actually built up a certain amount of a like a following and people listen for the technical stuff and it's good to keep a little bit of you know background baseball whatever inside baseball but like sometimes you'll go on these tangents like what was it last time uh the whole you had this whole story about how you needed to get a recipe from this french restaurant in tokyo for a cake for your girlfriend's birthday <laughs> <laughs> it lasted like yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. And at yeah, the yeah. end of it, I even told you, I was like, all right, Bryce, uh, the listener, uh, you just heard Bryce at 10x speed <laughs> explaining. And uh, the point is, you need someone that can speak Japanese. I'll be sure to include that. No, nobody <laughs> Back to what I was out, talking about. By the way, I'm very disappointed in, in the listeners. <laughs> I'm sure at least one of you I speaks mean, Japanese. 
I totally forgot to mention this at the top is we started our at episode 115.16, the GitHub discussions. Um, and they've been great. People have been asking questions. We got your Dan Dan noodle yeah. recipe. I mean, I'm surprised actually how many people care about the non-technical stuff that we talk about. We got two different requests, one on Twitter and one on GitHub discussions for the recipe, which has now been added to the show notes. Um, <laughs> I would like to hear a, a podcast that's only Bryce on 10X called TIDL. <laughs> and it just has, underneath it just says, it's like a it's like a YouTube channel. Underneath it just has captions of like, Bryce wants a recipe. And that like, you know, like <laughs> three seconds of just scribbling, uh, Bryce wants a recipy. <laughs> you know, my girlfriend would, be... would love to have a mode for that. <laughs> Like she, she would love to have a button she could push that makes you 10x right just for brief periods <laughs> maybe one of the times if uh if bryce is not able to make it for a recording and i need to come up with some content i'll uh i'll just do a compilation of him at 10x um and just that's what i'll say at the top listen folks uh we didn't want to miss a friday we've been two and a half years straight without missing one but uh we were going to miss it, but instead here's bryce for you i'm glad to know i hope i hope other listeners aren't annoyed by it because it it um, yes, it makes me very happy, especially to flex my control. Because a lot of times, if you've listened to some of the podcasts, Bryce will like issue executive commands about how <laughs> how things must happen. He's oh, you got to splice this up and cut it in half and make sure you blah blah. And I'm like, Bryce, I'm not doing any of that stuff. This is a so, <laughs> low I, overhead editing podcast. You, you know how like they, they refer to a Hilbert space uh, or a Hilbert curve as a space filling curve. Um, I, I like to refer to Bryce as a as a an authority filling curve. <laughs> Like he just would, if there's a way to be in charge, Bryce will find it in approximately 3.8 seconds and, <laughs> and, and then Bryce will lord it over you. And so the, the solution to this is just be like, Bryce, shut up. Like just, like, I knew you when you were nobody. I'm not going to take this oh from my you. Goodness. All right. We need to get some more hot takes from Zach while you're on because now I've got two cold open. I said I was just going to use the one. What else can you? Um, well, we, we, got, we, we have to get at least, well, do, do you have to go anywhere, Zach? We, no, we have no, to get I'm, at least I'm, one I'm Zach yeah. Army story because they're all hilarious. Be sure to check the links in the show notes for all of the things we talked about in today's episode, as well as a link to a GitHub discussion if you have any comments and questions. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.